millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. You're listening to the Independent Republic of Santa Claus. That's right. Mike Graham couldn't be here today as he was visited by three ghosts last night and he's acting very strangely indeed. He's being nice, it's weird, and very unsettling. But I am here instead to present some of my favourite moments from Mike's show from the past year. So let's have a delve into my sack and see what treat I've got for you now. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I'm delighted, sir. I'm joined by a very uh, special man, uh, Martin Hibbert. Very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Thank Martin. you so much for joining us. You're I met you um, a couple of hours ago, or an hour or so ago, uh, inadvertently in the canteen, yeah. without realising who you were. Yes. So I'm sorry for not recognising you. you were. It was my friend Lee, who's uh, come on the trip with me, and he was trying to airdrop you a photo. He was. He didn't airdrop me a photo. Well, I was standing there trying what? to buy a cup of coffee, and suddenly this picture <laughs> appeared on my phone, and I was like, where's that come from, then? He was trying to airdrop it to me. But, uh, <laughs> Technology. But all yeah, was exactly. well, all was well, anyway. Martin, you're here because uh, you were the man, remarkably, uh, who survived the Manchester Arena bomb, having been the closest to it when it went off. Correct. Meaning that basically everyone, presumably around you, did not survive. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. It was, um, again, I've, I've, I've not seen the, uh, the the police picture, but um, there was only myself and my daughter, which I believe were highlighted as blue dots. Mm. And then literally everyone around us was red dots, which yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that they'd, they'd died. We, yeah. were, we were 10 metres from the bomber, two metres, uh, sorry, two feet outside the bomb zone. So right. if we'd have been two feet close, we probably would have, wow. probably would have been dead. And do you remember... Yes. What happened? I mean, is yeah. it very clear? Because, I mean, yeah. I can't imagine what that must be like. I don't think anybody uh, can imagine no, what that it's, must be like. It's, um, it's, it's something that I think about quite a lot. Uh, obviously, my daughter was involved as well, which, mm. as a dad, you know, is is, is hard. You know, she, she was, again, was, um, you know, severely injured. She, yeah. She's back home now. But, you know, that that's a vision that will probably stick in my mind forever. Mm. You know, I think any dad, you know, but because I couldn't move, you know, I could see my daughter, she needed my help. And as a father, that's probably the worst yeah. position to ever be in where you yeah. want to help, but you can't. It doesn't get worse uh, than that, does it, really? Like, even now talking about it, it gives me goosebumps because, it, like, again, as a dad, 
that's yeah, what you're here sure. to do you know you're here to protect your children you know so that i find that very hard and uh, I, just, I just try not to think about it and you know um just think about we're here sure. you, you know what i mean and, and i've become hopefully now a symbol of you know spirit determination you know a good attitude and yes. that will to to not give up and not let the terrorists win mm. you know so that's that's what my life is about now is sure. about you know proving the terrorists wrong that they're not going to change my life and actually it's going to make me a lot stronger mm. and it has because one of the reasons you're here of course is because you've been undergoing some quite sort of um i suppose experimental therapy uh, would be the right uh, word uh, for well, it in australia in, well experimental in the uk because yeah. they don't do it uh, in australia in the us it's it's very well known and you know there's a lot of good good stories so tell us about it. You you researched this man who is in Australia because you were told by the UK doctors that there's nothing more they could do for you. And you funded it, your trip out to Australia to go and seek yep. treatment yourself. Correct. Um, yeah, there's a bit of a nice... I mean, if, when I was in the spinal unit, um, obviously I'd been told, um, you know, you've got a T10 uh, injury, spinal complete. Uh, basically a bolt had severed my spinal cord. Um, because this bomb was full of yeah. Well, nuts I had twenty. Yeah, and... I, I was told it was like being shot at close range twenty-two times. Wow. I mean, I, I pretty much there was no blood left in me when I when I got to the hospital, mm. uh, and I had twenty-two bolts. Because uh, I'm morbid, uh, there's a, there's an X-ray that I've got that shows all the all the bolts. Uh, so to, j- just to look at that and to say that you've survived mm. it is. You know, it is a it, it's a miracle. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm it not, really is a miracle. I'm not yeah. religious, you know, but there was somebody. That I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, there's there's something that I've got to do in life, you know, to, to that I've got to complete because there's, um, you know, other than the 22 bolts, there was also one that went through my neck and severed two arteries, which should have literally gone straight yeah. through, but I ended up swallowing it. Wow. You know what wow. I mean? So no, no I'm saying wow a lot. I'm yeah, no, no. About, well, how do you well, no, I, I really don't. I don't well, know no, what else to yeah. say. The doctors the, the, must have been the, surgeons, the most incredible Yeah, surgeons. the surgeons were like, we just don't know how it's got there. You know what I mean? It's You You shouldn't be here. You mm. know, the, the speed at, at which those bolts were flying, it should have gone straight through and basically decapitated you. Um, so they told you you wouldn't be able to walk again? I wouldn't be able to walk again. T10. You basically uh, said, I'm not accepting that. Pretty much, yeah, and all my mates will be laughing now who are listening to me on radio because it's like, you know, just don't tell him he can't do anything because... Mm. Have you always been like that? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. When you tell I me think that helps, you know, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've always been, I think, stubborn, like my granddad would probably say, you know. Um, I am, I'm stubborn, you know. It's, I don't take no for an answer. If I want something, I get it, you know what I mean? I, I, I either work hard for it or I do whatever's necessary to get it. Um, I'm the eldest of uh, three brothers, so... You know, we've always been competitive uh, from a very early age and that determination to always want to win. It's just in me, in, in business, in, in, you know, even with your mates and stuff, you know, it's, I bet yeah. you're tenor, I can do that. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> yeah. I, it's just, you So you know, went to Australia with your wife? Yeah. And that you know, the trip to go to Australia was not cheap, is it? No, but it, it was it was a big decision. Obviously, the, the, you know, this guy rings you and says, you know, you we're, we're gonna we're gonna treat you, uh, but it's like it's, it's not just a case of getting in the car and going to hospital down the road. It's twenty four hours. Yeah, and and I'd only come out of hospital in October, um, wow. and I'd been up and down since I've come out of hospital for various reasons, which I won't go into. But you know, so I wasn't well. You know what I mean, right. and, and, and really, and you were basically paralysed from the waist down. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah, yeah couldn't, couldn't feel anything from the waist down. But 
Um, again, just that determination. Somebody, somebody's giving me the opportunity to potentially walk again in the future. I'm going to have to do it, you know. It. Yeah, you know, whatever happens. Oh, what can... kind of treatment is it? Why is it so different from the well, UK? Well, it's... it's it... Ken Ken Ware is a, is an amazing man. He actually won Mister Universe, uh, which I only oh. I only found out. You can when challenge I went him over for free next yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> but it is it was an amazing man, and and he developed this method, this neural therapy, which is basically the. And again, to cut a long story short, there's obviously a website and things that you can go on uh, to where it explains it a bit more. But basically, there's 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 billions of neurons in your body that are communicating all the time for you to be able to pick up a cup and drink it, and that's been developed through your life. So if you you know babies when they first pick up a cup, you know they drop it, or you know yep. the neurons remember that, and then the next time they go to pick it up they'll get there eventually so that's what happens all the neurons are talking for whatever whatever you do it's, it's neurons that do it now at the minute the best way to describe it which ken does is my spine is basically like a, a road or a motorway and a tree has fallen across it so basically it stopped the traffic right. so at the minute um the signals from my brain yeah get stuck get at, at the tree yeah um but it's like what Ken said. Eventually, those cars will find a way to get round the tree. It might take a couple of days, but at some point, they will start to get round the tree. That's what Ken does. He gets the neurons talking in a different path. Mm. Uh, it's obviously a lot more intense than that. Yep. But I'd be here forever if I if I told yeah. you kind and of the science cut, behind to it. To cut that short, a little bit shorter, you can now feel in your feeling in your toes that yes. you couldn't before that yeah, one yeah. trip to I was, Australia. Yeah, yeah, so basically within I didn't have any expectations when I went over there. I even met Steve Cook who was there's only I'm the second person from Europe to go to this centre. There was another guy, thankfully from Leeds, called Steve Cook, who uh, was a pro triathlon athlete. Uh, he got knocked off his bike, again, told he would never walk again. He walked through my living room two weeks ago. Oh, that must have been just something to aspire to, yeah. right? Well, of course. You know, that's, I don't need to ask him any questions. You know, yeah. that's, you know, and he's, he's been going to the centre now for, for two years, you know, not all together, you no, know, various on, trips. Yeah. Um, so I think in total he's probably been there 10 weeks so I'm only two weeks into my journey uh, but even after a, a couple of days you know Ken was seeing results and you know I, I, could, I could literally just about sit in the chair but I had to be fastened into it because yeah. my balance was just off within a day I could sit in the chair straight like my yeah. posture was the first thing that's the first thing that he looks at if you look at any disabled person in a wheelchair, what you'll see, Slump. they're, they're slumped. Yeah. And uh, Ken says, the first thing you've got to work on is the posture. If you remember that like, when you were little, mm. you know, sit up, you know, in yep. class. Yeah. Because the brain can communicate better when you've got a good posture. So is this a treatment more or less about it's something other than surgical? It's, it's There's not... no surgery. The... It, 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 it is, and again, I don't want to come across as, you know... Um, um, you know, like you know, sitting here and yeah. you know, listen, don't worry the about it. Listen, listen yeah. you can come across anywhere you like. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. This, yeah. is, this is a fantastic it's story, it's, and not, you're telling it terribly yeah. well. But it, it, it is, you know, mind over body, yeah. uh, and it is about, and I know it's a cliche, but it is about positive mental attitude. Yeah. I will walk again. I will stand up, and I don't know if you've seen any of the videos that have been posted, like from the from the Daily Mirror and things. It's hard. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think anybody in my position, you know. I've had loads of emails and messages about how inspirational I am, and that's great. You know what I mean. So anybody listening today that's in my position, um, you know, it's not 
easy. So it's not a case of just jumping on a plane yeah. to Australia and you come back and you can walk again. You know, it's a slow it, journey. It, it, it is slow. It is, you know, when people say blood, sweat and tears, there was a lot of everything. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of emotion in there, a lot of trauma that we needed to get rid of as well because that blocks the signals. Uh, obviously, again, being a man, being a dad, you, you keep it in. You know, you put on mm. a face. How are you today? I'm all right. But really, you, you're in a bit of pain. Sure. Or So there's been pretty much 10 months of that. So all that came out. There were a lot of tears. Uh, my wife found it very difficult to watch some of the time because, again, pretty much like me with my daughter, she wanted to jump in and help, but she knew she couldn't. Yeah. So, you know, she, she found it very difficult. But, again, to have that support there was critical in my development. Uh, but to see, you know... Uh, your legs pushing pedals on a bike to be able to stand up um, to, you know, the pain receptors are now working. So they were pinching my toes and pinching the hairs on my legs and my legs and feet were... I could feel, yeah, yeah. I, could, I could feel bits, uh, but the fact that those messages were going up to the brain to say, somebody's hurting you, that's really critical. Yes. Uh, and, you know, Ken said, you know, that's amazing, mm. you know, for the next time that you come out. So Ken was an amazing guy. Uh, he puts a lot of energy into what he does as well. You know, he's 60 years old. Uh, when are you going to go back? Hopefully in six months, in six if months. not before, yeah. So uh, it's just taken a lot out of us, uh, especially myself. You know, I, I came back exhausted. And yeah. then literally the day after, I was guest speaker at the Spinal Injuries Association dinner. So I had to put on a speech. Ooh. And then uh, obviously the, the story ran in the Daily Mirror. And then the Kerslake report was out. So literally, I've just done media. It's a remarkable story, and it's, it's an, inc- an incredibly inspiring story as well Thank for you. an awful lot of people because you were saying how interesting now it is for you to have seen the world from both perspectives of, yes. of, of you know, being able and, and, and disabled yeah. in a wheelchair. And you were saying how Australia is so much better at uh, providing facilities, if you like, yeah. than, than this country Yeah, is. it was um, a surprise, actually. Mm. Again, you know, because, again, being able-bodied, uh, obviously, you, you don't have to think about where you're going. You know, when you're in a wheelchair, you, it is literally like a military operation. Yeah. You know, even going shopping. Right. Like, so where we're going to park? We'll park there. We'll get it. You know what I mean? It, so coming to London, or you know, we came just before Christmas, and we were really worried. You know, we didn't. You know, coming to London at the best of times is busy, but to come at Christmas, right. um, and you know, just little things like pavements, not being able to get off a pavement. And they're, they're very un- they're quite une- high. They're very uneven. Yeah, as well. and you know, we went to Covent Garden. It's yeah. full of pebbles. You know. I'm quite fit, you know mm. what I mean, so I can do it. But you know, if if you're on your own, you wouldn't you won't be able to get around in Australia. Everything's flat, yeah. um, everything's accessible. The trams you can just glide on. They have a disabled door that's mm. just for you to where well, there's a ledge. Um, everywhere's straight, flat. There's a an up and a down on the pavements, and literally. Uh, like I said to you in the break, you know, literally for three weeks, I did not feel disabled. Mm. Every restaurant I could get under the table, which again is a real bugbear yeah. for me. Did you it know, make you feel quite depressed when you came back to London then, or, or to the UK, I should say? Uh, you well, weather-wise it did. I was, I made a, a, a obviously for, when when you have a spinal injury, again, there's a lot of things, people just think your legs don't work, but there's literally everything below my belly button mm. doesn't work, right. you know bowel bladder and I won't go into it um, so you know any 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 journey like that you know again is, is like a military operation 
Um, so I've, I've just lost my trail of thought. No, no, no just the, coming back from Australia where you yep. for three weeks you didn't feel disabled, you didn't no. feel different, you didn't feel, oh, yeah, you know, so coming back you felt that the sun was there, so you, you mentally exactly. you yeah, felt sorry. more optimistic. Yeah. Um, Come back to the UK and it's kind of bad weather. It was freezing, yeah. And really bad accessibility. Yeah. So yeah, being a bit, having a spinal injury, uh, your spine, your spinal cord actually regulates your body temperature. So when you, you can't get cold, basically. So I feel the cold really bad. Um, so thankfully I missed a lot of the snow but we came back and obviously I'd been used to wearing shorts and t-shirts yeah. and not having to worry about cold right. um, so that that affects me I get really down with that because yeah. uh, I hate being cold um, so I wasn't depressed coming back to the UK but it was just that you know that that journey that I'd been in on Australia was just amazing. You know, it was. And something you said earlier about the fact that you know you might be going back in about six months' yes. time. Uh, you know, surely a bit of part a part of you would want to go back tomorrow and just speed up this treatment yeah. as quickly as possible. Well, I mean, me, me and my wife had a very serious discussion when we were there. You know, I was like, you know, we we could live here. You know, it's you know, she's like, what about Alfie, our dog? I was like, well, he can come. You know. <laughs> um, you know, but again, you know, you think about your family and stuff, and it just makes it difficult. But just the the lifestyle, and you know, we we, we would seriously consider it maybe, you know, maybe in, in the future. future. It's a long way away in, though, in the future. Yeah, I mean, no, of course it is. Yeah, and obviously our parents are, are old now, and you know they're needing our help. My mum's due due in hospital next month for a, a big operation, having two knees done. Um, so again, not to be around being kind of like you know the the father figure in the family, yeah. um, you know that uh, me and my two brothers, you know I'm I'm kind of like the figurehead for the family. And you know so, how important it is. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, correct. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Father Christmas on Talk Radio, playing the very best of Mike Graham from the past year. There's only one thing I enjoy more than a Christmas dinner, and that's the Boxing Day special turkey. Curry. I could eat a whole river of it. Speaking of which, Bradford was blessed with a curry river of itself. And you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You like a bit of uh, Charlie the Chocolate Factory? Yes. Why are we playing that? Well, we're not talking about rivers of chocolate. We're it's talking not. about curry. Rivers of curry. I suppose they've got a song for that. That's the closest they could get. We can make one. This is a, this is a <laughs> hit They've got to come up with some bangla or something. This is a number they? one. Number right, okay. one hit. Well, we're going to talk to Rob uh, Hallowell, who is a, a friend of Bradford's Beck, which apparently is the river uh, in Bradford, which I've seen pictures of this morning. I'm quite, genuinely, I'm really genuinely horrified. In this right? story. I'm genuinely horrified by what I saw. I've been to New Delhi, right? And in New Delhi, they have ditches by the sides of the roads. And trust me, there's something, there's stuff in there that you don't want to look at, right? It is it's not, a rat's paradise. It is a rat's paradise. It is not what you might otherwise call a river, but they're kind of overflow dumps, if you like. But this river is by the the Bradford Curry Mile, okay? Yep. And apparently because of all the uh, the pots and pans and dishes and, and plates that get washed up, the river has become a sort of river of curry. Which our producer, Carl Con, has basically decided that is brilliant. He and thinks he, it's lovely. He looks attractive. He thinks it looks nice. I mean, he, he does like live in of, Stratford, though. There's all kinds you know. of bits and things in there that you might want to <laughs> eat for lunch. It looks it's, disgusting. It looks a bit like a pot noodle gone wrong. It does. River. Let's talk to Rob and find out what is going on. Rob, a very good afternoon to you. Hello, good afternoon, Mike. Thank, thank Hi, you, Rob. thank you for being our eyes and ears on oh, the river of uh, of curry. It sounds absolutely awful. Does it smell like curry as well? Um, 
it smells worse than curry, uh, unfortunately. Really? Um, yeah, it, it does. Um, the situation is that Bradford was was built on on a river, and the name Bradford actually is a thousand years old, and it comes from Broad Ford, and it's the Ford, the place where the river was forded, and the city built up, uh, grew up around it. But unfortunately, from the Industrial Revolution onwards, um, it became um, an open sewer, as you might say, mm. and the um, city decided it would bury it beneath beneath the city and build over the top of it. And right. so that's the situation. Blimey. And you're there now uh, as we speak, Rob, right? I'm actually on the River Air. Right. Um, down at Athley Bridge, which is the main river that the Bradford Beck joins. And so Bradford Beck is a tributary of the air. OK. And has it always been like that, or is it just in recent times that it started to turn yellow and kind of filled up with the remnants of those curry houses along that mile? It looks like dull. It is. It's, you, can, you, can, you can tell what Robert, Bradford's favourite dish is by, by having a look down the beck and seeing what's in oh. there. Um, the, the problem is... Like a, a lot of things in, in, in our country, we're, we're still relying on the Victorian infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, how can that be the case? Because, I mean, I, I've lived down on the south coast. You see the old kind of sewage pipes that run over the beach and into the water, but most of them have now been sort of uh, demarcated and, and they don't use them anymore because they used to just chuck, literally just chuck raw sewage into the, into the shallows, you know. So I would have thought that this system where the waste pipes are just going straight into the river is from the Dark Ages, isn't it? I think you've hit the nail on the head there. You could see the pipes that were taking the sewage to the to the sea. Yeah, we can't see what goes on beneath Bradford, and things happened to our watercourses beneath Bradford, which would not be tolerated and would not be allowed if it was on the surface. And the the, the beck in question, it goes underneath the city and it just pops its head up for a breath of fresh air in the university, and that's where we've snapped it with the. Um, with the curry in there. Right. Unfortunately, when it goes back down beneath Bradford, and indeed many more tributaries join Bradford Beck beneath the city, and all kinds of um, pollution seen cared for, really. So it's historically a consequence of us using the antiquated Victorian um, sewage system, as you might say, or right. drainage system. Blimey. So it, 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 maybe Yorkshire Water services could tell you more about it than I do about This that. is what I was going to ask you, Rob. Do not people not in the local area, are they not worried about the quality of the water they're drinking? Well, we don't, we don't abstract water um, from Bradford Beck, and indeed we don't abstract water from the air uh, in Bradford, because historically it was too polluted. So we actually get our water from the River Niv um, in, in a Bradford. But there is more um, understanding that it's important for us to keep the rivers clean. It's a public health issue. You it were must talking be. about. You were talking about um, rats in Delhi. Well, at this place in Bradford, my my dog. I'm, I'm here on the bank with okay, my dog. It sounds like you're in the river. I am in the river at the moment. We're actually you're in it. You're in the river. Um, can you? I mean, it sounds like you're in the bath. Can you take like a sample and 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 get, take it somewhere and have it have it analysed? We could, we, we could do, and the Environment Agency have um, been involved in the, the curry incident, and they did t- take samples from there. Right. And, and they, the conclusion is Boona, not Rogan Josh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. The conclusion, 
the conclusion was that um, um, Chana Dahl is Bradford's favourite curry. <laughs> seriously, the report came back that um, they expected that to be an open sewer. They expected that to have come from an open sewer and not Water and where does it actually end up, all this uh, this curried water? Where does it go? It, it ends up in the River Air, right. which, which joins um, joins the River Ouse, and eventually ends up in the North Sea. Okay. But obviously, it doesn't go all the way down there because um, part of the problem is it causes um, difficulties with with insects and organisms. Well, in they the must river. kill all the fish, mustn't it? As well, apart from anything else. It, it kills everything. Yeah. It kills everything. Apart from rats. Can you see sort of chunks of food in it as well? Yes, yes. You can You can see rice in there on Mate. occasion. Or, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. God almighty. And is this like something constant or is it just every so often it kind of bubbles to the it, surface? It, it, it's a constant. It's, a, it's been a constant problem for a number of years. And Yorkshire Water, in fairness to them, and Bradford Council, they recognise that something needed to be done and they along with the Environment Agency, did um, find that a commercial caterer was plumbed in directly into the watercourse. So it wasn't that they were pouring um, their waste maliciously into the road drain or something like that. Yeah. It was actually plumbed from the sewer in their building into the watercourse. Do they get fined? I, I'm, I'm not at liberty to say what happened to them exactly. I, I don't think that... Um, with it with it being malicious, it was a historical thing. So, you know, in years in, gone by, um, in the textile trade that, you know, made Bradford, that was normal for, for the effluent to end up in the river. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and so it's disgusting. In, it really is. An old building or a place where th- that was historically happened, mm. um, you know, it's not really their fault that they... It, it's the authorities. Yeah. Why aren't Yorkshire Water investigating why we've got these things happening in Bradford? And that's really what we're trying to do in the Friends of Bradford Beck is to raise the profile of the river in Bradford and also to say to people, this is not acceptable. No, it really isn't. And, and thank you for raising the profile with yeah, us. Take think, care uh, in that river. Yeah, be very careful, Rob. Don't, don't you go can get out now. The interview's nearly finished. Yeah, get out of the river, yeah. Uh, get yourself some, uh, some writer. Just found a number plate from a car in there as well. I'll oh. that. Well, well, that hasn't come from an Indian restaurant, has it? Surely. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I hope not, anyway. Mind the rats. Rob, thank Take you care. very much indeed. We've just been told it may be a delivery driver, possibly. He's left it in there, but never mind. <laughs> That's horrendous, isn't it? The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the best of Mike Graham on Talk Radio with me, Father Christmas. Now, it isn't Christmas without a good old argument over the dinner table. Well, it seems like Christmas every day on the Independent Republic of Mike Graham as someone's always having a Barney. Listen to this one between Katie Perrier and James Dellingpole. Let's talk to James Dellingpole now, uh, who tweeted out, uh, I think, yesterday uh, that actually Boris Johnson should go further uh, and go full Trump. James, very good morning to you. Morning, morning. James. Thank you very much for joining us. What did you mean by going full Trump? I was really quite surprised by how popular that tweet was. I mean, I got the usual suspects saying that 
this meant that I was endorsing racism, racism, etc., etc. Because he, because because Trump does get a pretty pretty bad press over here. I think I think a lot of people in Britain are quite ill-informed about what Trump is doing for America, and I think he's I think he's actually quite popular in America. He's doing he's doing a good job. Anyway, I think what I what, what I was suggesting was that Boris needs to get off the fence, stop playing the political games that so many politicians do and actually do what 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 political leaders are supposed to do which is represent the people rather than the kind of the westminster bubble yeah indeed if you can do that because i mean look there there are lots of uh, there are lots of good contenders out there who could do this you know gove could do this um jacob reese mogg if he were interested could do it i don't think he is interested in being in being um pm but it's it's up for grabs anyone who 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 chooses to ride the populist wave and actually represent what ordinary people want, I think the, uh, you know, the leadership of, the, of this country is there for the taking and it could be really good for us. It could, but isn't there also an issue there? Because when you ask the people what they want, inevitably they don't actually know what they want. They think they know what they want, uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah, but they really I, don't have any idea. I, I don't know. I, I do kind of trust the, the, the wisdom of crowds. I, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of snootiness about, about, about the mob, the electorate, the, the masses, the people. And I think that their finest hour, our finest hour, was, was on the, the Brexit vote. I think a lot of people there saw an opportunity to place a vote which they thought was going to be finally respected. You know, but most people go into general elections thinking, well, it doesn't really matter who I vote for. I'm going to get the same old rubbish anyway. Yeah. But this was different. Now, now James, you, I mean, you, you write for Breitbart News, the kind of association that has uh, been owned by Steve Bannon uh, in the past. Uh, been, he's been involved there. Hmm. He, his in, intervention in Europe, quite clearly, is to come and, and, and you know, try and use some of those terms that he used in, in the US in terms of uh, getting Trump elected and telling some European leaders, you can do this here too. But that kind of behaviour is, is quite divisive. And my concern is, yes, you might be able to win the membership of the Conservative Party with this kind of language, but the nation won't stand for it. And you will not get the Conservative Party elected on that kind of politics in the future. I mean, I presume you could entirely disagree with me on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, with respect, it just sounds like woo. I mean, um, d- divisive, it's not even a word. It, it's, it's just a kind of... It is of, a word. It's, it's, divisive yeah, is yeah, a word, yeah, I'd, have to, I'd have to go with Kate on this, I thought James. you were quite bright. Divisive is definitely a word, yeah. It, 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 divisive just, just, just means... It means nothing. It's it, it's just a kind of a slogan brought out by used by desperate people to slag off pe- slag off politicians they disagree with. I mean, I mean, isn't politics by nature no. a James, I thoroughly pro- disagree with you. One party or the other, if, you're if, never going to get everyone satisfied. And and I think one of the things I I was very interested to see was um, how. The, the Tory party chairman, what's his name, Brandon Lewis, mm-hmm. made the mistake, I think, of trying to get Boris Johnson to apologise for saying what most people in Britain actually think about the burqa. They don't want to be... They, they don't want to be nasty to Muslims, but at the same time they think, yeah, burqas, it's not really an English thing. It's not really what you want to see on the English streets. So he was capturing probably the popular, the popular mood. And Brandon Lewis was playing the, that, that virtue-signalling politics game. 
And no, but everyone's playing a game, James, because Boris Johnson is playing a game as well. He's playing the game of uh, appealing to those people who, who, like you, don't think the burqa belongs on the street. I don't really care if somebody wants to wear a burqa and walk down the street. Why would you care? Mm. Why would you? No, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think, look, the idea that, 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 that um, politicians, that there is a politician on earth who doesn't play games is, is, is just silly. I think we, we, all, we all accept that Boris... Yeah, there's a lot is, of stake here, James. It's Boris, not just you know, a game. Is, is, on, is on manoeuvres, just like every other politician. I just happen to think that Boris's manoeuvres are better than Theresa May's manoeuvres or um, Brandon Lewis's manoeuvres or, you know, the, the current Conservative establishment. I think that he's a breath of fresh air. And it, I, I think if he has the courage of his convictions, rather than... You, I mean, the big mistake would have been if he'd, he'd backed down, if he'd listened to Brandon Lewis's tweet and he'd backed down. But he didn't. And he doesn't look like he doesn't look like he's going to do that. Um, just for your before we carry on, divisive definition in the Cambridge English Dictionary tending to cause disagreement or hostility between people. Yeah. Um, so we'll just we'll, we'll move on from that because well, at the end of the day, Boris Johnson, if he wants to go full Trump, isn't Donald Trump, right? The problem for him is that he's not uh, outside the Westminster bubble. He's not an outsider from the political scene. And in fact, I don't think many people will fall for him being you know this kind of maverick figure because he's he's always been a politician. It's all he's ever been. He's never. I mean, you know, you could say he was a journalist for a while but I mean basically he was he's always been a politician well let me ask you this if if in fact Donald uh, Trump is the is the model for Boris Johnson and his behavior mm. what should his next move be then what should he do next oh I think he needs to start um, ramping up the uh, the rhetoric about the kind of future that he sees for Britain outside the outside the EU I mean I don't think I think it would be a mistake if he talks about Islam again. I mean, he, he, he did his thing there, and, that was, and that's fine. But there are lots of, there are lots of other issues that he could, he could talk about. You know, um, uh, although I'm, I'm at a loss to think what they might be. Well, I mean, Europe is the obvious one, our relationship with Europe. I think well, if he, I mean, if he put forward, I suppose, and I'm answering my own question now, if he yeah. put forward a very, very much more solid, cogent and sort of believable version of Brexit that people could hang their hats on, if you like, then he would already be, um, you, know, you know, a mile and a half ahead of Theresa May because that's not, not what she's been able to do. Mm. And he's in a very lucky position that he doesn't have to negotiate that. We can all say that from the sidelines, Mike. We can all sit on the sidelines and go, mm -hmm. oh, you know what, my utopia vision of what it could look like, how wonderful it could well, no, be. But he also when has you're at to the top say, table, when you try and work yeah, out, yeah. it's much harder well, well, when you do, try well, and maybe, do it. Yeah, but then that's when you have to say, this is, what I, then this is how I would make it happen as well. You can't just say, this is my vision. You'd have to say, this is my vision and this is how I'm going to make it happen. And if that means walking away from Europe and just saying, you know, come and see us when you feel like it yeah. for some money. When that's I was the at, answer. I'm afraid when I was at number 10, there were no real you know, offerings from the likes of Boris Johnson and others. And despite the fact I really respect him and I you know, loved working for him over the years, there was no real plan of, of how we would achieve the kind of Brexit that he's looking for. And I think that Theresa May has asked him to deliver that to him, to her, all that way through as Foreign Secretary. And it hasn't materialised for one, what, one way or another. What, you're saying that Boris should have come up with a, uh, with a Brexit plan while he was Foreign Secretary? Well, I, uh, yes, James, I, mean, I am, because the reason why I'm saying that, James... Are, are you with the workings of the, of the civil service, with Ollie Robbins, with the special arrangement that Theresa May 
made, whereby she completely sidelined her department for exiting Brexit because she was giving all the work to work to the Remainer civil service. The reason why I'm saying that, James, the reason why I'm saying that is because I think that Theresa May wanted that plan. She she realised that you know she opened the box, nothing was there, and that she's had she's had to work on a plan that she she doesn't want and no one really wants around the around the cabinet table. The most fascinating and original gloss on on. I think you're deluded, James. I think you're absolutely deluded. And if you want to come on at another time and talk to us to us about exactly how she should negotiate Brexit, I'd love to hear it because I never really heard it from any anybody that that can give a coherent argument as to how we do this. Because if Theresa May could get a better Brexit deal, believe me, she would. You're listening to the Independent Republic of Father Christmas on Talk Radio, playing the very best of Mike Graham from the year. I must say, I'm back at my home in the North Pole and it's absolutely freezing, which leads me nicely into this interview about cryogenics. Why don't we find out from Tim uh, how it works in Cryonics UK. Tim, very good morning to you. Hi there. Thanks very much for for joining us. Have we got that loosely correct or would you like to make Um, any corrections? No, it's quite wrong, really. Um, Ah. Essentially, it's just a giant Ah. experiment. People sign up to an experiment. They're not signing up to a business proposition. Uh Uh-huh. Um, they're very clear when they sign up that it may not work, but they have a choice. They can sign up and maybe they'll succeed or not sign so, up. Sorry, which, bit, sorry which bit of what we described is wrong then? Uh, the bit where, well, you, the relatives don't keep paying. It's a one-off fee. I didn't, I didn't say right, that. Okay, no. no, I was asking that uh, question, I, so I, I don't know. I corrected that. I think you'll find. Yeah, a big chunk of the money actually goes into a trust fund, which maintains the patients long term. That's the that's part of the reason it costs quite a bit. How, How much does it cost? Oh, I was going to ask that. Well, it starts at about thirty thousand up to dollars. Two hundred thousand dollars. It depends on which package you want to take. So, why don't you give us the cheapest and the most expensive? Well, the cheapest is uh, cheapest case we've ever done was twenty eight thousand pounds right. all in. Um, and what do you get? The most expensive one I've ever heard of was two fifty, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay. So what? So what's the difference? What's the difference? If I got um, the twenty-eight thousand pound package, what do I get for that? Uh, you get a standby service, which is our charity job, uh, which is basically we sit by the bedside, wait for you to have cardiac arrest, then we put you onto life support, cool you down, carry out the blood washout and the preservation solutions, and ship you out to the states or to Russia. And then they do the preservation, and that's all in. That's that is the cheapest case right. that we've ever done. Nick obviously can be more depending on exchange and rates. Is that the um, whole body, or because I mean you can just free, that's, that's freeze a head body, as well, can't you? Evidently, you, you can you can do head only. Mm. Um, some people think that it's not necessary to keep the broken bits. You after, after all, the main purpose is to just preserve information. So you need DNA, you need personality, memories. That's all in your head. Right. Somebody's asked me this in the past, Tim, and I don't know whether you can you can tell me. If you were, say, for example, suffering from some kind of terminal illness, like you were dying of cancer, um, yeah. would there be any point in preserving the body with the cancerous cells, or would you be better off without that? It's a matter of opinion, really. I mean, it, the principle is that in the future we're, we're looking at nanotechnology to solve these problems, which is essentially creating either mechanical or biological systems that go in and do the repairs. Yeah. So effectively, like biological systems now that make you better when you're ill, except they'll be engineered. Uh, so you could go in and fix these things. Well, but some people suggest, why bother if you're that clever? 
just start with a new body. Uh, well, indeed, yeah. Yeah, can I have... I'd, I'd like Elle McPherson's, please, when I come ah, okay. back, if I just put my head on there. That'd be fine, which, if that's which OK. Which McPherson body do you want? Do you want the one she had now or the one she had well, when she was 25? Well, if we get frozen at the same time, well, now she's and what not about, too bad. What about the 250000 uh, uh, cost? What do you get for that more than you would get for the 28000 Well, a big chunk of that, over a hundred k goes into the trust fund. So that's basically putting more money aside. So if essentially you've got a safer fund... Um, the smaller fund that you get with the cheaper service obviously is more exposed yeah. to financial risk in the so, long term. So who's the who's the beneficiary of the trust fund? Mm, yeah, what happens? Uh, well, the the trust is basically there to look after its patients. Yeah, but there's no cost, is there, to keeping you dead? Is there? <laughs> yeah, liquid nitrogen costs money. Does Buildings it? cost money. Yeah. Right. So it's a maintaining. I mean, it's a fantastic it. business, this Tim. I mean, my my it's question. It's not a business, though, is it? Well, it's it a is. Charitable pursuit. Well, why sh- do you think it's a business? Well, because you're charging people quite a lot of money, right? And well, pre- I'm not putting any money in my pocket. Well, you don't get paid? No. Well, why do you do I'm it? I'm a volunteer. And I actually probably spend more money out of my own pocket right. than So than you're going to tell me that if I was to give you a quarter of a million dollars to preserve yeah, my body... I don't in, get to keep any of it. I wouldn't get... To, you would be spending all of that? No. Um, most of it would go to the service provider in the States which are either non-profit or charity status in the States. Um, and we would get our expenses for, for the work we do at this end. Okay. Uh, and if you're so you do not get some a regular money. member, we, if you're not a regular member, there's a small fee of 5000 I say small, relatively speaking, small, small fee. fee that goes into the charity. Yeah, but why, you, I mean, what I'm, under, what I'm sort of doubt, doubtful about is how, why, you, why you have to be a charity. Because charities well, because don't pay tax. Well, charities don't pay tax, do they? Well, we don't make any profit, so that's kind of irrelevant. Well, it's not um, irrelevant at all, because but, you tell me you don't make any profits, but I haven't examined your book, so I don't know that for a fact. I imagine there no, are but, people but, in the United luckily, States... Luckily, we have a regulator, and, and you're not the regulator, so you obviously don't know. No, I don't, do. but I mean, also, uh, you believe that in uh, transparency in, uh, in economics, I'm sure, and you were removed yeah. from charitable status, right, because the Charity Commission said it was a mistake to make you a charity. Yeah, and obviously the judge disagreed with them. The well, judge has the disagreed. The judge has disagreed, but I don't. I don't understand how a business like yours, albeit that it doesn't it's make any money, well, of course it's a business. No, a business is a is a uh, an activity carried on for profit. No, it's not. It's a, this is a research program that involves money to make it work, right. but like a hospital, oh, for right. example. Right. Okay. Right. Well, hospitals go. are businesses too. You know, it's only in this country that well, they're treated well, as if they're not. Well, exactly, they're not. They have charitable status here. And well, no, well the NHS is the NHS. A charity the point is, Tim, is how much of your 28,000 that you collect goes towards your research? Um, well, this is where it gets complicated. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because um, it all depends on the exchange rate. So an the amount exchange of rate? 20, yeah, so $28,000 would go to the States. Yeah. That's, that's your storage fee. Uh-huh. Then we would probably spend another fifteen or so on... Uh, the expenses of actually carrying out the standby, the shipping, and etc. Um, and then five thousand. And nobody makes any money out of that. So when you move a body, no, obviously nobody if makes you any have money. A third-party service provider, for oh, example, right. an airline carrying out shipping, they yeah. make profit. Right. Yes. So you have to pay. So you have to pay them. Obviously, we have to pay the airline for shipping. They're not a charity. Right. And presumably, you have but, to. But that applies to a hospital. You go into a hospital. The people that make the instruments make money. That's their job. Mm-hmm. 
Listen, I don't, uh, object, you know, I don't object to uh, to what you're doing, Tim. I think it's a brilliant piece of business. I think it's fantastic that you can convince people. It's not a business. You can, I know you keep saying that, but, I mean, it is a business, and you know very well, well that it's it a business. It isn't, because the judge said so, and the oh, judge right. knows a bit more about it than you do. Okay, well, there's no need to be objectionable, Tim. I'm just trying to find out what it is that you do. <laughs> you're being objectionable, I'm afraid. No, I'm questioning what you do, Tim. You're, you, trying, you... you're trying to suggest that the judge is wrong, which makes no Well, judges have been wrong. They have been wrong, Judges have been wrong, Tim. You know, they don't always have every single piece of wisdom in the world. Sometimes people appeal and it might not if be judge, if the not... judge was wrong the charities commission will appeal to the next level so, so tim if well, you maybe are, they will if you are a charity uh, how much how many donations do you get from the general public i mean do you get a lot of people donating money to you we have about 50 regular members who pay a monthly donation right uh, and obviously people who are not members give us uh, five thousand pounds towards our ongoing cost right okay because it's not really fair that they well i suppose we'd like to be able to offer it all for free but we just don't not on a scale where we can okay so we have to collect the fee and that is normal i mean you go to the national trust they charge you to look around the houses don't they yeah, yes but, they yeah, do, but if but you want to look around a house if you want to look around a house tim you don't go to the national trust and say um where is the house and they say oh we haven't built it yet but give <laughs> us the money now anyway which is effectively what you're doing uh, no, it is. You're not. You, I'm not paying. I'm not collecting money to return you to life. I'm collecting you money then? to carry to out the body, stabilisation, transport. Mm-hmm. See, this is where it's and genius. The, and the judge clearly stated that the the end costs of storage and reanimation are nothing to do with our charitable status because that's not what we do. Yeah, but this is why it's a genius business, Tim. I'm trying to give you a compliment it's not here. A business. I know you keep saying that. But it is a business. You're collecting money from people who no, expect... No, businesses are conducted for profit. It's not. No, they're not. Well, tell that to John Lewis and partners. You've just lost 99% of their profit uh, in the last year. They're still a business. Well, that's just a bad business, isn't it? Oh, but it's still a business, though, right? So profit it's is not... It's intention that counts. So, so profit is not actually the, the, the definition... No, profit is not the definition of a business. You are no, running a business, it. okay? You somehow managed to get yourself charitable status, and I'm very happy for you, Tim, and I'm very glad that you're doing what you're doing. But I don't know why you can't accept the compliment that it's a genius idea because you're effectively selling, you know, ice to the Eskimos. I'm not selling anything. Well, if you sign, if you right, so me if I give you up a chronic, I will, I will say it's not my choice; it's yours. And if you choose not to sign up, I'm quite happy for you to die and be buried. It doesn't really. That's bother. a bit harsh. <laughs> Tim, how, how many how many Brits <laughs> have you had sign up for your your service? Uh, well, we've got. 50 regular pay members, but in the UK there's over 100 people with a contract so with ha- a service provider in the States. Right, OK. And and the only storage is over in America, so you have to go and be stored over there sort of thing. Yeah, at the moment, yeah. Okay. Have, mean, you, got, have you got an office I can visit? Have you got an office I can visit? No, we, we don't make enough money to pay for an office, unfortunately. So where is Chronics UK registered as a business then? Well, well, a charity by definition is just the sum of its trustees. Yeah, but does it not it have to have an address? Happen. Yeah, it'll be the trustee's address, and that is what it is. So you don't um, have an office? Um, no, we don't have an office. Uh-huh. Right. What about the people the, you deal with trust- in America? What What do they have? Do they have an office? They have a huge building, yeah, where they keep their patients. Where they keep their patients. Patients. So, uh, what, they're, they're, they're not really patients, dead, are they? really, aren't they? So they're dead bodies, well, Yeah, they? because, because what you're confusing is the definition of legal and clinical death with information theoretic death, which are not the same thing. All right, so, so I, can I talk to these people who are not dead, then? <laughs> no idea right? what he just no, said. No, but also you can't talk to anyone who's in cardiac arrest, but they're not still not dead until you say they are dead. Uh-huh. Right, okay. And they also, even when they're declared dead, they still haven't suffered information theoretic death. The right. person is still there. So when you transport these people, 
You're not transporting dead bodies, then? Only in a legal sense. In a legal sense? Well, that's kind of the sense we all have to deal with, isn't it? I mean, no. you, if you say to the no, airline, no, no, right? That's, that's if you... the sense that the law deals with, well, what... but it's not the sense that science deals well, with. What about, why, what about the example, airline? That's why you have CPR. Well, because what about... when somebody stops breathing, they're still not necessarily technically No, dead. I know that, but you're not... Yeah but, yeah, but hang on, Tim. You can't perform CPR when they get to America and they come back to life, do they? No, we do it before then. No, but they're not before alive, are they? Down. They're not alive. They're not legally alive. No, they're not alive in but, any sense. And not, but the person who's had a heart attack isn't <laughs> clinically alive either. That's not true. Yeah, I'm afraid it no, is. No, it's not. Death is cessation of vital signs. So if you have a heart no, no, no. attack, even if you come back ten minutes later, you've been dead for ten minutes. Right, so the people that you're transporting to America, are they dead or alive? Uh, they have suffered information, or they haven't <laughs> suffered information, theoretic death. Sorry. I'll tell you what, no, I, they think, are, I think death. I'm suffering information they're, they're, death They're the legally I'm dead. I'm not getting any information. No, they are legally they're, dead. They're, they're legal, legally and clinically dead. Do you have yes. a death certificate for Basically. them? Yes, we will have. So they're dead then? Get the you can't get a death certificate if you're not dead, can you? I don't know. Well, Sometimes I, I it feels I like probably, it. I could probably get a death certificate for someone who's resuscitatable. That's quite simple. Really? Because yeah, So well, you know a lot more about this business than I thought you did. It's not a business. Um, <laughs> so, for example, when you're in hospital and dying of cancer, yeah, in theory, you could be resuscitatable when you have a cardiac arrest. That's Most true. That's because you're not, not resuscitated. Yeah, order. but that's because you haven't been declared dead yet. No, but they, but what I'm saying is they have a do not resuscitate order, and the reason is that the, the reason they have that is because they are resuscitatable. So, in other words, we yeah. declare them dead when they're still resuscitatable. Yeah, but you're not if you if you have a resuscitatable corpse in front of you which is not dead because it can be resuscitated, it's not dead. Simple. But it's, clear, it's clinically dead and it can be declared legally dead. If it's dead, it can be declared legally dead. Yeah. I'll tell you what, boys, I'm no, losing the will no, to live here. Yeah. Full no, stop. No, can I, can I go and visit, can I go and, can yeah, I go and visit the big building in America? That's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'd like to have a... Does he have to be dead? Can I, yeah, do I have to be dead? No, afraid not. No. You see, <laughs> he's totally nasty again. What about uh, what about letting me in for a guided tour? What do you reckon? Yeah, no problem. Could I, I have to book? Could I follow? Could I follow? I mean, could we do? Because here's a great idea, right? I'm full of these great ideas today. Oh God, could yes. we do a documentary on the next body that you transport to the US of A? Could we film it? Uh, you'd have a slight problem there because one, the hospital will probably say no. Which hospital? The relatives will probably say no. Whichever one we end up in. All right. Um, and well, would you mind? Would you mind? Say no. Well, would you so mind? You won't get anyone's consent. Would you mind trying to see if you could get some of them to consent for us? Well, after this conversation, probably not. Why not? It's going to be a pain, aren't you? Why am I going to be a pain? I'm just in for, I'm looking for information, Tim. I mean, well, I could be a potential customer of yours. I don't think you should be talking to me in such a rude manner. If, if, if you look hard enough on the well, I get what I get. Um, I'll give what I get, should I say? You give what um, you get, or do you get what you get? Yeah. I don't really do. You? Yeah, whatever. No, I don't know. I'm no. Um if you look on the internet, there are actually videos of chronic preservations. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But look, if, just it, if, look hard enough. if this is a charity, which it quite clearly it's, is, no, it's Mike, it's been established it a as a charity. Um, any case, if it is a charity, Tim, then obviously surely people would be very, very happy to have the whole process filmed and made as a documentary because they want to raise money for the charity. Yeah, true. Well, you mean in the same way that everybody wants their funeral filmed? I don't think so. Well, my funeral isn't a charity, well, though, is it? funeral's not a charity. You know? No. Funeral's not a charity. Also, they're not dead, so they can't be having a funeral, can well, they? Well, co-op funeral services is charity, huh? Co-op is a business. 
It's a non-profit. <laughs> no, it's a business, though, isn't it? It's a co-op. That's what co-op yeah, means. But it's not a, a charity. It's not a charity. Team. No, but it's right, it a non-profit. It's a business. It's got very similar characteristics. It's a business. Anyway. I win. Stick with the independent Republic of Santa Claus, as we have more of the best bits coming up. Plus, in the next hour, I'll be hosting a very special version of the Perrier Awards, celebrating my favourite moments from the past year of the so-called independent Republic of Mike Graham.